Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Two chunks and a hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders, and this week I am your chunk. I'm Doge, and take her to the chunk for me. Oh, and I'm Carter, and congratulations, San Francisco, you've chunked pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Hey, I would hey, still eat that uh, broccoli pizza question. though. I don't know. I don't okay. think that was yeah. crazy to me. Really? Uh, yeah, I don't think I would either. I don't think I'm about it. Okay, but Whatever. here's what I am about. We're all the chunks, so who could be yeah, the what's hunk? going on? Uh, it's not Adam again. It's he not Adam this time. But it's he not. is very much he a really part dropped of the ball this why week. we chose he our He stopped hunk. being so great. Yeah. <laughs> no, the hunk this week, we've decided to bestow a special hunktitude upon none other than everybody's favorite raccoon, Tom Nook. Tom Nook. That's right. Changing changing my life day by day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Tom Nook is uh, sort of the, the head of all things business upon our respective Animal Crossing islands. And uh, oh boy, he's getting the job. <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm getting, we're getting the job done and Tom is- yeah. uh, We're getting the job assisting. done for him. Yeah. We're yeah. working off our debt. Yeah, that's true. And so we have, in honor of Tom Nook, have decided to, uh, the rest of our podcast will be in Animal Crossing speak. <laughs> so. <laughs> Very good. So for the one of you still listening. Uh, <laughs> you know, everybody's playing this game. Uh, speaking of uh, fun uh, personified characters, hey, I really loved that vocal slide into that. That was great. Uh, that was yeah, awesome. You know, it's that was a real, I've, real country music kind of vibe. Something I've been working on. It's just uh, like, is this pod speaking? This is Nashville, the podcast. It's incredible. Yeah, welcome to our Nashville only podcast, Nash Pod Nash. Oh, oh yeah, that close, works too. Close. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh man! But we're talking about a movie that involves lots of fun personification this week. That movie, of course, being Inside, Inside Out. <laughs> and uh, I can think of no better way to kick off the discussion than asking my good friend Duzuya if he would mm. give us a synopsis. Duzuya, this week's synopsis for the film Inside Out comes from an IMDb user called Piping Hot Views. Oh no. And then in parentheses it says Shri Ram. So Shri Ram wants us to know that their their name is piping hot views, but don't worry. It's really Shri Ram. It's still your boy. It's still your boy it's, Shri Ram. It's still Shri Ram, and you can count on that Shri Ram flair to yeah. just permeate this whole I thing. So that. piping hot views writes 
All of us have various brain functions that govern our response to various situations. The functions responsible for happiness, sadness, fear, anger, and disgust are characterized, and the details of the activities they do to run the life of a young girl, Riley, right from her birth is what drives the story. When a sudden change in the life of Riley upsets their rhythm, they try to control the situation too much, which creates more confusion for her. Their adventures in an attempt to restore normalcy is what forms the crux of this movie. Okay. That'll work. Thank you. That'll work. The most factual synopsis that the, we have ever the done. The hottest one. The most piping hot. What even. What a piping hot view of this movie was, that is. It was almost a purred Hapley-esque it was, like, synopsis. It was clinical. It yeah. was clinical and cold. This is a movie, and here it is. <laughs> so... Um, right, right out of the gates, I'm going to get heavy for one second so we can all understand the lens through which I'm viewing this movie. Is that okay? Okay. Yep. So I, uh, I regularly go to and participate in counseling and my counselor is awesome. I'm a huge fan. And one of the things he told me the first session, he said, have you ever seen the movie inside out? And I said, yes. And he said, I, I love that movie. Uh, and ever since then, Literally every counseling session, we talk about the committee is what he calls it. The committee mm. in, the, in the mind of the different emotions and the way that they interact with each other and how, um, you know, any, any singular emotion driving everything is bad and everything has its place. Um, but then also something that we talk about a lot is the suppression of sadness, which is something that I work through pretty frequently. Hey album name really quick yeah like no, just very not good. to not to derail you but <laughs> i'm totally going to be releasing a quarantine concept album called the suppression of sadness right. anyway continue right but one of the things he talks about is when one emotion gets suppressed another one takes the place where it should be present which is a lot of what yep. we get to see in this movie where where joy overtakes sadness to the point of sadness being neglected um yep. so for me unfortunately that emotion is anger and so a lot of times watching this movie, I was getting like incredibly emotional because it's something I'm, I'm working on, but I was getting super emotional just being like, oh, like I, I, I know this and I, and I feel yeah. this. And, and I really think that this movie does an incredible job of boiling down the human condition to a silly group of five committee members that are running the show. Yeah. And, um, uh, so I'm going to get crazy right here and super pump the concept of this movie. Just, just the, the actual concept of this is maybe the best thing about it to me. It feels like maybe Pixar's most creative idea. hundred yeah? percent. I mean, cause everybody's yeah. thought like, what if my toys came to life or what if the monsters in my closet were real? But like, I've never, like, I don't think anybody had ever thought of this before Pixar made it inside it out. It feels know? like a movie, um, uniquely made with a, a distinct purpose in mind. Yeah. I think it takes a certain amount of like when think of all the people that it took to, you know, write it. My, my super pump is the screenplay. Um, but thinking of the writing and everything to hear the concept of this, it felt like it taken, it takes an extra amount of emotional and creative energy. Like yeah. when you first hear this concept, you're like, what a great idea, but you're already starting to think about all the steps and how tough this is going to be. And I think just the fact that they saw it through, you know, they took sure. whatever five years to make this movie. Yeah. I think if somebody presented this idea to me, I would be like, that's a great idea. I, I just don't think it'll work. There's no way to right. get there, but that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. How do you get it onto the screen? That's, that's what's so exactly. crazy. That's and why the screenplay for me specifically is it was nominated for an Oscar for, for best original screenplay. 
Yeah. Um, did it win? It did not. Doesn't it no, feel it, it won for animated feature like a uniquely yeah. fine line to walk between um, getting the message across and accidentally becoming like irreverent? I feel like, yeah, it, yeah. Felt, it feels so dangerous movie. A hundred percent. Well, yeah, the, the get the message across is in the middle. And on one side you have irreverent on the other side you have preachy. Right. But it, it threads the needle. I feel like it really threads the needle. I completely well. agree. Yeah. It, it feels like every single like character design, uh, just characters that they chose, like emotions that they chose, uh, was if it's not Riley, then who, like all of it had to just feel like a ton of weight on making that decision. Yeah. Well, and, and they and hardly, yeah. To, to me, it feels this, this movie feels, um, especially small scale, um, comparatively to other Pixar movies. Like, oh yeah. Just as far as, as what the story spans and, um, different things like that. But I say that, and yet the stakes feel so high. Um, you know, when, when, and, and I think they were dead on making the, the character that all of our emotions are caring about being this, this young person, this, this, this young girl. And cause I think everybody can watch it and go, Oh, she's, she is too young to lose all of that feeling. And, right. and it, it makes you um, really, at least for me, it makes, it made me really invested in what's happening to Riley and how all these small things are adding up to such like emotional disaster. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's a testament Carter to your super pump to the screenplay that both stories work so well. Like I'm equally right. invested in joy and sadness getting back to headquarters as I am like, I get the same emotional catharsis when they get back to headquarters that I do when Riley and her parents hug and then sit on the living room floor of their empty house at the end of the movie. Like I'm both of them. I'm moved to the same point, even though we hardly it feels like we hardly spend any time in the human world compared to the mindscape. Right. Right. And and some something else that this movie does really well in the midst of all of the like seriousness that the story has is it's so funny. It really is. That triple yeah. mint gum song, like the way that they talk about things just like popping up and getting stuck in your head is absolutely what it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> like it totally feels yes. like there's just two little goons that keep sending me things to ruin the, my afternoon. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Do you guys have a thing like that that gets stuck in your head all the time? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. <laughs> about, about like once a week, I'll just have a whole day where that's stuck in my head all day long. Uh, right now it's my hero by the Foo Fighters. Is it because I put it on the two chunks it, Instagram? It honestly story? might be. It keeps getting stuck in my head is. right now. Yeah. Uh, mine is Bella Note from Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> 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 this is the night. It's a beautiful. <laughs> Don't we know somebody uh, that theirs is the. Shut up. Shout out to Grayson Hatfield. I used to work with Grayson and we had offices right by each other and through my wall, I could hear him whistling that. And I just said out loud, is that the circus song? And he just busted out (laughs) laughing because like he did not know that he was even whistling it. Like it was, he thought it was in his subconscious. That is so funny. What a miserable song for that. That is, I think that's the worst one. Yeah. That That's terrifying. the worst one for sure. I can't think of anything I mean, Bella Note is pretty bad. That one's <laughs> no, rough. It's lovely. <laughs> right. The circus song is the very worst one. Does that even have a name or is it just called the circus I think, song? I think it is I don't know. technically titled dap, 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 you know. Spelled yeah. out. Yeah, probably. Lots of hyphens and all that stuff. So uh, mm-hmm, plenty, mm-hmm. plenty of space in your Spotify queue. Sure. Certainly. You know, be able to read that guy. But uh, back to the movie that we're talking about, which is, of course, Inside Out. Um, 
you know, there's, there's a lot to be said. And I think the best thing to do is start with the character introductions. So this movie, I don't know, man, I, I feel like the start of this movie, the progression of Riley from, from birth to preteenhood, it's, it's not quite first eight minutes of up caliber, but man, is it up there for me? For real. I don't, I was like, I don't have children and I don't want them for quite some time, but like I was so emotional seeing her as a baby. And then in her mind, the first thing that she feels is joy. Yeah. And then it's just joy for a while yeah. or 38 seconds or whatever. Right. And then yeah. sadness comes. But yeah, I thought that was super cool. And it explains why joy feels like she's so protective over Riley right. because exactly. she's, she's their first. first. Riley yeah. is my kid. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of the significance of the beginning of this as compared to up is that there is a 100% chance that all of us have like can relate to the beginning of inside out. Um, right. Uh, up can be a specific, statistically like, most of us were born. Yeah, exactly. Most, almost all of us were born. Yeah. Um, I was like a Kyle X, Y situation, no belly button, all that stuff, but I get it. That is literally the only thing I know about that. Me too. I remember seeing the commercial be like, he doesn't have a belly button. Huh? I guess I'll never watch it. You're going to have somebody email us talking all about that show. And Jordan's just like, yep. Yeah, we're no gonna get. Button, we're though, gonna right? get it. Isn't that it? We're yeah. gonna get an email like, "Can you guys please do a Kyle XY series?" No, <laughs> actually, maybe, but <laughs> actually, yeah, we might, but sure. no, we won't. But we might. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Do you think there's a universe where someday this opening is as widely regarded as the up opening, or do you think that ship has already done sailed? I mean, I think the fact that it made it into this series. And most of the people that voted on this, like, that's the thing, like uh, this series is, is largely movies from when we were younger. Sure. Yeah. Uh, when we were more of the target demographic for these, except for Coco and this one really stand out to me in terms of being recent entries to the Pixar catalog. Up is pretty new. And people uh, Comparatively. Is, I'm, I mean, Up was 2009, right? I guess that's true. Yeah. yeah. And, and these are the only ones in this decade or last decade is 2020 now, but last decade that made it into sure. this. Yeah. Coco and Inside Out. And I think that to me shows like they're already overtaking a lot of the the more recent entries in Pixar and standing out. Totally. At least those to me feel like Pixar went through a slump for a little bit sure. for me personally with things like Brave, things like The Good Dinosaur, things like, uh, well, Good Dinosaur is after this, but things like Brave, things like Cars, Cars 2, 2, Cars 3. Cars 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, even though Lightning McQueen's your favorite fictional character of all time, I I think that there was a little bit of a slump and Coco and Inside Out felt more like a return to form. This feels like the kind of creativity I expected out of Pixar, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo around that time. Yeah. And so I think I think you're exactly right. I think they are going to be widely regarded. And it wouldn't surprise me if these kinds of things I think Coco and Inside Out are stronger movies than things like Up, and I think they will pass Up as time goes like on. Like in the collective memory of people, I think yeah. so too, because they've already they're already rising quickly through the ranks, and so I think as as time goes on, we're going to see these become like man, that is iconic yeah, Pixar. That feels deserved I, to me. Absolutely. Uh, looking back at what has made our series, I think it's interesting that our first three are all solos so far. I mean, they are all yeah, uh, no not a sequel or have a sequel. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's, that's really interesting to me. I don't, I don't know the ultimate significance of it. I can see a couple of these getting another movie someday. Sure. Um, inside out feels the most suited for a sequel of all of them. I I don't want an inside out sequel I don't want it either, but it feels like the most set up for one out of these three. I can see that. Yeah. The one that, that they could even tell another story for. 
I don't know. I mean, I said for years that they couldn't tell another Finding Nemo story, but they did make Finding Dory, even though I asked them not to. So. <laughs> I begged. I begged not to. I wrote so many letters. <laughs> Send them straight to P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney. <laughs> Nobody ever got back to me on that one. Oh, well. But uh, I, I think that a lot of what happens later, they do a really good job of setting up the significance of uh, right here at the beginning, the different relationships. They show how the islands are formed um, as far as like what's important and what makes up like sort of the core of what is important to Riley as a character. Yes, yes that's so good. That's my super pump is the world building that happens right here during this opening montage yeah. where we've got the wonderful theme by my boy, Mikey. Yep. Uh, he's done the composition again for this film, knocked it out of the park once yeah. more, like he always so does. Um, but this opening montage here, uh, the world building in this is so, I feel like it's so unique because this is brilliant. It's I've a little bit, seen it's a little like bit like it. what we talked about with Pirates of the Caribbean uh, last fall, where it was just like, you are introducing people to an entirely new world, a new concept and they have to buy in or the rest of the movie doesn't work right, at all. I think it's right. this is probably this is probably the tallest world building order that we've seen outside of our fantasy and magic series a year and a half ago. Yeah. It's such a unique right? like I think yeah, it's a, such a unique kind of accountability that you get from the exactly. viewer, from the person that you're creating this for because even though we don't get to say whether or not that's exactly like what the inside of our minds are, we do have some kind of say on I buy that and I don't buy that. Sure. You know, right. It's like, exactly. It's so crazy. It's such the chutzpah to go through with this is, is, and it's funny how all of our super pumps are essentially the same thing, right? Like mine is yeah. <laughs> the screenplay. Doge's is the world building and Jordan's is just what the, the, the concept, like, yeah, what, like, like yeah, the concept, I think all of us, all of us are kind of super pumping that they, really made this movie yeah like yeah. they just were like i'm gonna do it and make a weird movie and you're gonna love it yeah and yes. we do like i i remember seeing the trailers for this actually and being like that looks okay and and yeah it's so much better than it has any reason to i be. think man i think the cast has something to do with people's buy-in too because this cast is pretty unbelievable i mean it really is like they they asked lauren michaels they were like hey who should we cast in this movie and he's like well here's my friends right. and they cast those people Right. And they're yeah. all, this is all five of them started in comedy. They're all comedians. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that's so fun. They reached out to Bill Hader. Some of the first ones were Lewis Black. Like they had no one else in mind for that. Bill Hader. Yeah. And then they had Bill Hader reach out to his friend, Amy Poehler. Jeez. Um, <laughs> so, they're yeah. like, hey, Bill, would you talk to Amy for us, please? Yeah, we hey, really like her, but we're that's intimidated. Literally what the, from, what, from what I've read, that's the process is they had her reach that's out to so Amy. That's so great. Oh my gosh. Um, we get another uh, Richard Kind. He's a double dizzer. He's a double Pixar dizzer, in fact, here, uh, because he's also Molt in A Bug's Life. And he's bing bong here. That's very fun. I love him. Yeah. He's great in Scrubs too. If you've ever watched that show, he's Uh so good there. Now we also get, we get Rashida Jones at the very end. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we do. I don't know if you guys noticed, but when they are leaving uh, and going to San Francisco on their drive, we pass the birds from that Pixar short. They're up on that Mm -hmm. uh, telephone wire. Oh yeah. We drive right past them. Yep. Uh, Pixar always throws in teases for their next movie uh, in the current one. And so that's why we have that scene at the the, like dinosaur roadside attraction. Those are the characters from the good dinosaurs, the Triceratops and uh, and like a a Brontosaurus. That's very cool. And our, uh, while we're on the subject, our our RA113 is her classroom. Oh, cool. At her new school. 
Yeah. At her new school in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. Perhaps the most literal A113 we've had. Right. Just right? a classroom. Uh, right. Yeah. On, on this road trip, though, going from Minnesota to San Francisco, I forgot how beautiful the scenes were in that. Like, I yeah. love yes. the, they almost choose to do a different kind of animation in that sunflower field. Yeah. And I loved it so much. I, I, I forgot so much about this movie. Yeah. It really is. The, the animation in general is like a whole other level. I've never seen anything like this. The, our, our main characters are not solid shapes. I don't know if you guys caught right. that, but they're yeah. like, their outlines are fuzzy and they look like they're just this collection of particles. And I like, I have some experience with 3D design and animation. And so most movies I can understand like, okay, that's, that's a 3D object made of meshes and vertices. And I can understand at least conceptually what they're doing. I have no idea how they did these characters with those kinds of and maybe I'm just showing the limited breadth of my knowledge, but I've never seen anything like these characters. Well, that, that process, they wanted them to look like energy. And so they had done it with yeah. joy first, and then it was draining the budget. And so they're like, fine, it'll just be joy. But then uh, CEO or whatever saw it. I can't, uh, Iger, I think at the Bob time. Bob Iger. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been Bob Iger. And he was just like, no, let's do it for everybody. And so they're like, that's amazing. That's awesome for the movie, but for those artists <laughs> to go back through and render them all in so the same work. way that took them forever with joy. But it almost is like, yeah, like they had to go in and make separate molecules that yeah. made up a body. Did y'all notice crazy. that joy doesn't cast a shadow? Yeah, I love that. It's super she's interesting. She's the only one that joy doesn't cast, cast a no shadow. shadow. I did not notice uh -huh. that. Because she's glowing the that's whole time. That's amazing. And so yep. she's she's lighting the scene around her, but she's not casting any shadow. Very yeah, The character design is brilliant. We talked about yesterday how like joy is supposed to look like a star. Sadness is a teardrop. Fear is a is a nerve strand. Uh, anger oh, cool. is uh, is a fire brick, and uh, <laughs> disgust is broccoli. Like I think it's amazing. So, uh, I do I do want to say there is uh, one thing. So uh, uh, this feels like a good time to bring up my super dump, and I want to be very clear. This was a tough one to even come up with one, but I did find one. Riley's emotions are the only emotions in the movie that don't look like the person they are uh, in the command center for. Everybody else's emotions all look like them. Uh, and yeah. at, at first I thought, oh, maybe it's just as you get older, your emotions start to look more like you. Um, but nope, because then we see Riley's like young friends her age and stuff and all of their emotions look exactly like them. Not a huge problem, but just confusing to me a little bit. Hey, that's my super dump is very similar. And it's that it doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like the emotions in mom's head are controlling her mood in the same way that the emotions in Riley's and in dad's head are because dad, we've got the, the anger, like putting the foot down basically when he grounds right. Riley mom in mom's head, sadness is always driving, but sadness is not making mom sad. See, Okay. I have a theory. Her here. emotions don't seem like they're interacting. I, I, I'm not, I don't want to stomp on your super dump because I totally get it, but I have a theory here and I really think it is, um, as people get older and better emotionally adjusted, if you noticed there, there was somebody in the center, but they were all sharing the control center together, sort of like Riley's yeah. expand so they can all drive at once. I mean, that is what, that's what, uh, emotional health or emotional IQ looks more like is, um, no single emotion driving everything you do and kind of sharing that space a little bit. Um, yeah. so, so I, for, for me, that was what that, that's how I interpreted that as like, okay, mom, mom primarily kind of is driven by sadness, but she's learned to adjust and let a lot of her emotions sort of work together 
to do those yeah. things. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it would have been a runtime thing, but I, I would have loved to see more of like in mom's head leadership by committee rather than everybody just having the same thought. Right. Like I want it to be a quilt, not a melting pot yeah. to borrow that, that imagery. Sure. Um, but right now it just feels like there's an indistinct blob of emotion in mom's head. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I do love them all daydreaming about the Brazilian helicopter pilot. Virginia. Yes. Uh, I, yep. uh, Jordan, I completely understand uh, your super dump and support it. I just think that that was a necessity. I think it would be way too confusing to not have, it felt like it was just an artistic right. decision. Right. Totally. To get say, it. We've got to find a way if we're going to get in, because I would, if the sacrifice is that's too difficult, let's not go in anyone else's head. Sure. I don't want that. It's not worth I, it. I, yeah. I think it adds so much to be in everybody else's head, but yeah, I totally get that. There I is agree. with, with the amount of thoughtfulness and brilliance and creativity in this script world making things like that are what stand out. Yeah. The super dump. Yeah. And mine is I'm, I'm going to jump to the end for mine just to get it out there. So I don't forget. Um, I think the stacking of the ideal boyfriends to go ahead and get back shows that joy is really creative, but it doesn't show that the writing was very creative right there to me. I was like, sure. is, is that the only way we're going to get back is by stacking her images of, uh, all these, like the, the perfect boy for her, which is basically like Harry Styles from one direction. Let's get a thousand of them. Right. And then that's how joy is going to get back and save the day. It is so, super funny. I love though. that though. <laughs> I love it's, that though. I, I do think too. it's really creative. <laughs> this is just how I feel about with Jordan's thing. Like, sure. Yeah. It is hilarious, but with all the other stuff that you've done and the things that you've named, like this is how you get us back. Yeah. I, oh, let's I, just I put in an, in a bag that can hold anything, an imaginary bag. Let's put her image, uh, like a thousand versions of her image of her best boy. Yeah. All of them but, coming out. I would die for Riley. Yeah. Very good. For Riley. Like simultaneously. It as they seems fall. like it's amazing. It seems like there should have been like a big river. That's the stream of consciousness. I feel like that, that feels like a notable exception from all of the things. Like we have a train of thought. Yeah. It seems like there should be like a big river, the stream of consciousness, and then a waterfall at the end. That's like, if you go down there, that's unconscious thought or something right, like that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not about to tell the wonderful people who made this movie, the thing they should have really done to make it actually good. Yeah. <laughs> but that just seems like an omission. I think that every time I watch this, like, huh, that seems like there should be water. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's more stuff coming that we need to talk about and discuss. But before we hit any of that, I do think maybe it's time to jump on our own train of thought. Head on over to Shout Announcements. Welcome to Shout Announcements. That's how we do it over here in the Two Chunks Laboratory. That's how, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. I was about to say. Yeah. That's how you do it into your microphone because you don't have to hear it. Look, I don't f flip burgers at your job and tell you how to flip burgers at your job. So how about you just... How about, you know, hey, we got something really cool uh, for you listeners it's called Patreon and uh, we're Patreon top of it because you need to keep your eyes peeled this week for our Cars 3 special review of that wonderful movie. It's going to be pretty great. Uh, but in our Patreon, you get access to all kinds of fun stuff, special episodes that are only for Patreon members, special parts of our website, also only for Patreon members. And you're probably thinking to yourself, self, that's gotta be, I don't know, billions of dollars in order to uh, be a part of that. You're wrong. It's not. It's only three. That's significantly less than billions. So, uh, how about you hop on over? Yeah. 
I'll say. Be, be, a, be a part of that family. So much less than billions. Yeah. Two or three <laughs> minimum. Another thing that you can be a part of is next week on our show that comes out every Tuesday, in case you're unaware, um, we're going to be going and looking for our little buddy who's gone missing. And we're going to be talking about finding him. Uh, Nemo, that is. Finding Nemo <laughs> releases next week. Uh, an ask that I would have, uh, not only will we, we be finding Nemo, by the t- here's your homework. <clears throat> by the time we have found Nemo next week, I want you to go find our podcast on iTunes and subscribe there. I need you to rate and review. Then I need you to go find Instagram. It's a new social media platform that they have specifically for the pandemic. Go find that. <laughs> Two Chunks has a profile. Follow us there. Then also go find Twitter. Not the bird that you named last week because you're bored. Like the other social media platform. Right. Follow us there as it's well. It's an app. This is sort of it a weird an, an alternate Mad Max type thing where social media is being portioned out like water. Right? That's <laughs> yes. sort of what we've created. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I like that very much. Uh, Speaking of things I like very much, I do like our show. So maybe we head on back. And we're back to the show. Here we are. Yeah, I've been working on my shock jock voice. We talked about it a little bit earlier. I figured I'd uh, get on uh, while the getting's good. You know, you know what I mean? The getting's about to be gone. Yeah. So enjoy it right yeah. now. No, that's uh <laughs> that's that's definitely fair, I suppose. I would love to talk about the brainscape created for this movie. Is that okay? Yep. It is so interesting to me the way that everything uh was sectioned off. And I can't help but feel like in this movie everything is intentional. Um, it doesn't feel like anything was done half-heartedly or just sort of decided on. And so um, I love that the islands are right in view, but I also love maybe more so that uh, daydreams, dreams during the evening, all this stuff is all set it's just somewhere kind of in subconscious long-term memory, just sort of back yeah. in the aisles. Um, yeah. Because I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, wow, this feels desolate. Until you go down into the shelves that hold all of the long-term memory storage. And then it's like, oh, okay, there's so much here. And that that just feels like what remembering things feels like. You've got the stuff that's <laughs> on your brain all the time. And then, you know, you dive deep a little bit and all of a sudden you're there and you're remembering something. And then you're daydreaming about it. And then, you know, what if French fries were really that big and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's just very uh, well, fun. <laughs> It shows a lot of purpose to the colors too. Sure. Um, we find out at the very beginning that different colors signify like what emotion that is basically that, that Riley's feeling. But I do love when they're starting to fade. Yes. Uh, and we have like our grays and our blacks and our darker grays. And that, that duo that we've already talked about that keeps putting the gum commercial back into her memory. <laughs> um, uh, one of those is Bobby Moynihan, by the way. It is Moynihan. Uh, them. Uh, I love that. They're just like totally trashing most presidents. <laughs> Like, let's just remember Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, and the fat one. And like, right. I just, that's so, so fun. funny. It felt like almost all the jokes about inside someone's mind were something that related to me. And I sit there wondering, like, yes. did they just pull it off to where it's for everybody? Like, right. Because if that's the case, that's wild. But it's also wild if it's just, I'm, yeah. It's like, crazy. you're Riley. <laughs> <laughs> this movie could be called Inside Carter. Yep. But uh, yeah, it, the the setup, I love like the hierarchy of things. 
um, just di- different people and different uh, aspects of Riley's personality have different jobs to do and oversee. Um, I just think that's very funny. Um, and I particularly love like uh, fear just sitting and watching the dream uh, later on that night and being frustrated that it's a, a reshoot or a, a, a replay of a previous dream that he's seen, that kind of thing. I know I'm having a really hard time not doing the uh, the Chris Farley SNL thing where it's like, remember that part? Right. That was awesome. So with that being said, that I'm actively trying to avoid being the guy that's like, remember that? That was awesome. I do very much love the the fact that dreams it feels like dreams are like SNL, like it's a sketch right. show that the writers are com- that they're like writing it daily. That they're like, all right, we just got today's memories in, and the writers have cooked up a great script for us. Like, I love that so so yeah, much. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, especially considering who the cast is, it feels I know super yeah. fun. Yes, absolutely. And I think I think doing it any other way wouldn't have felt like a dream. You know what I mean? How frequently dreams contain stuff from data. I think what this all keeps boiling down to is how brilliant everything, brilliant, the writers and, uh, the, the, the producers and the direct, like everything just gels. It's on, it's unbelievable how good and how universal it's able to feel. Right. Like we're, we're three friends who are very different people. But right. I think all of us are saying like, yes, that's exactly my experience with dreams, with right. remembering U.S. presidents, with like trying to manage my emotions. Like it's just so universal. And I have no idea how they did that. I don't either. They took things that just are so applicable. And I know we're all just saying the same thing three different ways. <laughs> but yeah, it is. But none of us have thought about it. I don't know. Yeah, no, it it, it I think it speaks maybe to the. um that there are some universals in the human experience, you know, yeah. just the way that, you know, my personality is different than yours and yours and yours. But the something about the subconscious and the way that it functions is pretty standard across the board a little bit. I um, think uh, now might be the time to go ahead and talk about, we're talking about how creative they are of like how we f- lose imaginary friends. Yeah. I'm trying to avoid it. <sighs> I'm trying to let's, avoid it because it makes me so let's sad. talk about bing bong. So as we're talking about like creative ways of manifesting things that go on in our minds and in our hearts, the loss of an imaginary friend. uh, I know we hate to get to that point because it's so sad. Bing bong. uh, Pete Doctor made a very intentional decision to not have Bing bong be a part of the trailers or the movies. When he was asked about that, it's because he feels like he watches too many movies that give stuff away. It's like, okay, I don't have to see the movie anymore. Right. Um, But not having Bing bong feels pretty significant because Bing bong as a character is heartbreaking uh and poignant and um one of the biggest tier quotas of any pixar movie if not the biggest this seems specifically designed to affect me emotionally because my number one thing that i get sad about is like forgetting and the passage of time and growing up i think that's why the end of toy story 3 hits me so hard whenever andy gives his toys to bonnie i'm just an absolute wreck well, any of these, and i am here too yeah, any of these moments that we know are uncontrollable like like uh, yeah. mama coco starting to literally just yes. lose her mind um and her memories and stuff and it is take her to the moon for me has got to be oh my gosh the saddest dude. line when our what's our voice actor's name again 
Richard Kind. Richard Kind uh, admitted in an interview that he was actually crying at that line. Jeez. And what is used for the movie. He was he was like trying not to just weep because it is. I can't remember. I know I had an imaginary friend, but I can tell you in this moment now, I don't remember. I'm sure I named him. Yeah, sure. Or or it. Yeah. 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 That's so sad because you don't get it back. Yeah. Well, and and Carter, I think the word, I think you use this word. It's, it's perfect. It's just poignant. It, it hits because it's relatable, but it also hits because it there, it is sort of a permanent loss. You know, that. Let's use Bing Bong as an example, but Bing Bong is just a stand in for any imaginary friend. You know, 10 years from now, Riley can remember Bing Bong and probably remember what she said that he looked like and the the games they played. But Bing Bong's gone. I mean, that's how imagine she can't play with him anymore. Yeah, right. And yeah, and that this wouldn't have been again. This is a uh, shout out to our collective super pumps here. But this would not have landed as well if they hadn't already created the world that they did. Correct. Like they've already given us enough. 60 minutes in for us to start to figure out things on our own without them having to blatantly tell us. Yeah. And and I think part of it is realizing that Riley is coming to the age where, um, you, you forget your imaginary friend because you're also at the same age where you can sort of start to hit the real emotions of things getting all messy together. Yeah. The whole thing revolves around what Bing Bong represents. And I feel like it's all about the loss of the not necessarily innocence, but maybe the just simplicity of childhood emotion and like having to enter a world of nuance, which means that there are some things that are emblematic of that simplicity. They're going to be gone forever and inaccessible to Riley, but it's good, but it's a sad kind of good. Well, and I, it's, it's so funny that for you. So when you say everything kind of boils down to Bing Bong, is that the whole movie for you? Like, is that what you mean? Like it, not necessarily. I think Bing Bong is Bing Bong is the tree trunk, right? But the roots of the movie are the loss of of simplicity of emotion yeah. and the loss of like I feel happy because I don't think like uh, an emotionally healthy person might say I feel happy, but at the same time they're feeling some sadness and some melancholy sure. and some fear, right? And you can't say you're happy or you're joyful in the same way a kid is happy or joyful where that's just what they yeah. are. I, I think for me though, there, there's an aspect. So to me, what, what I would call my interpretation of what the roots are is learning that, and this is obviously personal, but learning that sadness has a place and a role to play and, sure, and, and yes. fill in sadness, fill in the blank with any emotion. They all commingle and, um, I don't know. One of my maybe my favorite scene in the entire movie is looking at the memory of the day that Riley's team picks her up on their shoulders and going back and realizing that the joy she felt from that was only possible because of the sadness that preceded it. Yes. And learning, you know, in the same way that the only way that I as an adult can enjoy, um, you know, like roast asparagus is by first being disgusted by it as a kid and then having a moment (laughs) in my early 20s where I muscle through and eat it. And I'm like, whoa, I've been missing out on this my whole life. And the the joy of the discovery that I like something was only possible because of the disgust that preceded it and made me stay away from it. Um, you yeah. know, the, the, the catharsis of letting go of anger is only possible if anger's there to begin with. All of these things to me, what, what's so beautiful and what just touches me unbelievably about this movie is that one moment where joy, but also Riley realizes that like sadness has a purpose, not only as a signal flag to those around you that you need some help, um, but also as a precursor to what can become good. 
Um, it it yeah. takes the label, and I, I don't want to use the word good actually, because I feel like this movie does a good job of taking the labels off of emotions of this is a good one and this is a bad one, and just stops looking at it like that and said, no, it, it, it happens because you feel it. You can't help that, but they can they can work together and be better because there's two or more multiple things happening. And to me, as I get older, that is what emotions have. That's how I've begun to understand them. Yeah. And I don't know, I love, Doge, what you said about like the loss of the child, childish simplicity of emotion. And I think that is incredibly sad to lose that pure, unadulterated joy. But at the same time, I don't know that I would go back. Right. And I think that's, that's what we're supposed to feel by the end yeah. of this, because by the end of it, all her core memories look like marbles and they're all different colors and different emotions working yeah. in harmony. Like all of, none of her core memories are a single simplistic color, but she's growing out of her childhood way of thinking and becoming a young adult who's got fully rounded and fully integrated emotional responses to situations. And so, yes, it is sad to lose that simplicity in much the same way I can imagine a parent would be sad if their kid doesn't want to play pretend anymore. But at some point the kid grows up and begins to think in the way that an emotionally healthy individual thinks. Right. And I, I know, I know for a fact that we have a couple, um, uh, people that are, uh, licensed professional counselors that listen to this podcast. And I hope that we are, boy, not, y'all are so much I smarter know, than us about I, this. Man, <laughs> I hope that we are not just flying in the face of it. I hope it hasn't just been like wrong, wrong, wrong. Like, I really hope that we have, uh, honored the heart of this movie with what little understanding we have of how these things work. Hey, if you're an LPC and you're listening to this and you want to record an episode about like Die Hard <laughs> and get a bunch of stuff wrong, I think that would be yeah. fine. We would be okay Let's with that. We'll give out. you a pass I'll, on that if you give us a pass I'm on this. I'm going to give you a free pass, all of you uh, LPCs. I'm going to give you a free pass to record a Legend of Zelda podcast and I'll just listen to it and be like, you clearly don't understand wrong. Ganon's wrong. emotions. Wrong. I was going to say while we're on the topic, but it feels like the whole, the whole topic is saturated with this, but Pixar is often trying to teach us something. Um, this, this feels by far the most educational entry of any oh, absolutely. Pixar movie. You know, I mean, it does feel like a course almost at times because it doesn't really stop. They've somehow managed to, you know, we talk about how daunting it was to write something inside the mind of somebody, but the flip side is they've given themselves what is scientifically proven as infinite room, which is the brain, right? Like we, we have, we do not have uh, the capacity to use a hundred percent of it. And so they've given themselves so much like literal mind space to right, do whatever yeah. they want. So it's just so smart. I think this is a great example of, it's kind of an old school view of storytelling, popular mid 1900s or so, like fifties and sixties. Uh, but the view that's that storytelling and art in general should be both uh, artistic and didactic, which means that it's not worth engaging in unless it's, it's artistically good and valuable uh, and pretty to look right. at. Um, and it's also didactic, which is a fancy word that means instructive. Right. And so Pixar, I think, usually does a great job of that, cars notwithstanding. But I think Ciao, baby. Uh, for this one, especially like it is so you're exactly right, Carter. It's so didactic and it's so informative. And I walk away from this movie saying, OK, there is a new way to live my life that I've seen is better <laughs> because of this art that I've engaged with, which means it's valuable art. It means it's something I can engage with and should engage sure. with. Yeah, you're, there's an element to it of better for having watched it. Yep. Don't cry because Bing Bong's over. Smile because he happened. Yeah. You know, is what I always don't. say. It's right here. I'm actually looking at it on the wall yeah. of my home office where I'm recording. Yeah, this. I've got a t-shirt that just says, don't cry over spilt Bing Bong. And, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Hey, are we pretty much uh, are, are we tying a little bow on this guy right now? We can, even though this is also one of the Pixar movies that you could talk infinitely about. Oh, 100%. Hey, so what that means is that it's time for us to rate this movie. Wait, before we do this, do we, do, is there anything to say about the actual catharsis and resolution of both the internal and external narrative at the end? When, when they get back to headquarters and when Riley plays hockey and her parents paint their faces. Oh, and all what that do you stuff. want to like, hear we, me say? That it's beautiful and incredibly touching and that every time I watch it, I well up with emotion and tears because of how well done it is. Is that what you want to hear right now, Doge? That, that seems like it okay. covers it. Let's okay. read okay. it now. Well, then, yeah. No, that's how I feel. It's so good. Man, the, tie. the collapse of the hug on the floor and her smile once she's there is just perfect. Dude, just tears. Tears all the way down to my socks. How it's simultaneous with the button pushing of like which emotion yeah. too, which yeah. we didn't talk much about. but Right. Or right. they're pushing it together. Amazing. Yeah. So good. Well, let's use science, the one that lets us understand brains, to rate this movie. I'm talking about the scientific cinema scale, which is perfect and as follows. The best thing we can ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it, buy buy that poster. poster. The next best thing we can say, that's going to be buy it, followed by rent it and then stream it. After that is forget it. And last but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God God hath forsaken us. I will go first. I am buying the poster for this movie. Yep. It is... Um, virtually perfect to me, but just so it is, it threads the needle of fun, funny, engaging, and real in a way that, uh, a lot of movies, Pixar animated or otherwise do not. And, uh, for that, I just think it's really special and really worthy of that poster going up on my, uh, proverbial wall. This is going to be a poster for me as well. Um, maybe the easiest poster I've ever bought in our podcast. I, I talked earlier about it being artistic and didactic, and I think it is both of those things. But I think the third thing that really pushes it over the edge is how important I feel like it is. Like, I, I think this is something that is, I don't know, it's it, we start from a point that a lot of people are at where I have to suppress the the so-called negative emotions and we end as an emotionally whole, emotionally adjusted, emotionally well-rounded individual, which I think is everybody's goal. At least everybody that I know, that's what they want to be. And this is a movie that offers a path toward the self that you wish you were. And so for that, I think it's like one of the most important movies we could be talking about right now. So well said. I buy the poster too. Uh, At the Keynes Film Festival, when this movie hit the credits, it was an eight-minute standing ovation. And wow. that is just the, I think the feeling that most people get when you're watching it, that somehow they've hit, hit the nail on the head of something that you always knew existed, but did not know how to um, communicate. And to do that for the majority of just the crazy amount of individuals in the world, uh, for real, blows my mind in terms of, yeah, of, yeah. of an art form and what they were able to accomplish. There's hardly anything like it. I say hardly because I can't think of the thing, but I bet there's might be something out there, but I, in this moment, I can't think of anything. It's like, yeah, probably like a triple X, that Vin Diesel ice cube. Dude, sort yeah. Of that, that's another one. That's really important. Yeah, just so. all up in the, all up in the yeah. brainstem for that kind of stuff. So, Hey, yeah. uh, as Doge mentioned in shout announcements, make sure you tune in next week as we talk about finding Nemo, the uh, fourth place choice in uh, our series that I think this is the first time we're saying this episode, Pixar Picks. Pick what picks your Pixar picks are. So uh, make sure you check that one out as we find our boy, Neems. Looking for that little Neem. Check that little Neem. We gonna find him. That's my rap little name, name from now on. Little Neem. Little, little, little Neem. You got one gimpy leg. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
when I run, it's a has to be a circle. <laughs> You're gonna get an email in two chunks inbox, and it's from neem23 at gmail.com. It just says, <laughs> How dare rip you apart? How dare? So uh thanks for listening and to end today's episode. I'd love for us each to say our name and think of the sixth emotion that we would have included in the committee. For two chunks and a hunk, I'm Jordan Wonders, and the sixth emotion is Jonesin. I'm just jonesing for a LaCroix right now. I'm jonesing to Good hop grief. over and play some video games. I'm jonesing for a nap. <laughs> He's our voice actor for Jonesin. I'm just jonesing. Uh, Jonesin is, uh, of course, I'm glad you asked. I had it locked and ready to go. So why wouldn't you ask? It's so good. You're um, stalling it. Brilliant. No, Jonesin is going to be Steve Carell. Excellent. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's the decision that I made before you even asked. So thank you. I'm Doge and the missing mystery emotion is we sportsiness. This is something that is important for a growing individual to be able to engage with. And so this emotion of we sportsiness is going to be voiced by Antonio Banderas. Yes, yes, oh, yes, yes. So yes. good. I'm just going to make up an emotion. I said Jonesin. Yeah, that's true. You, I know we've all had several people that have wronged us before. Not several people. Things that have wronged us, certain things. <laughs> this emotion manifests uh, and it's called Vendetta. Mm. Um, Ooh. And it kind of takes the reins when everyone else is sleeping. Sure. Who's that voiced by? It's Liam Neeson for sure. Yeah. Well, good. it's actually Hugo Weaving, but I appreciate Sorry. the no, effort. It's Liam. He's literally V and V for Vendetta. Okay. But it's different. It's, Where are you going to get to say the particular set of skills? Then? It's Mater. Yeah, it's Larry the Cable Larry Guy. Larry Cable Guy. In my, new, in my new movie, there's an emotion called Cable. And it's just, it's Larry the Cable Guy actually there in people's brains. And it's for the inner cable that we all have that connects us to our Larry the Cable Guy humble roots. And then we just slowly fade out on top of that great joke. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.